Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. I have never been here. I have heard about Etzheim for many years, and so I'm blessed to finally be visiting you all. And we're in Texas, so we have to greet you with Shalom, y'all, right? That's the... That's the uh, official uh, greeting from Israel, from Jerusalem. So just uh, very briefly, I'll introduce my family. This is our our tribe. This is uh, my in-laws in the back, our, my spiritual superheroes, Ari and Shira Sokaram. Some of you have heard of them. So there are legends, uh, one of the first ministries I think officially the first chartered messianic ministry in Israel. Uh, my mother-in-law came to Israel for the first time in 1959 or 58, one or the other. And she actually made Aliyah in 1967, right after the six, just days after the six day war. She went as a journalist and she began to wonder as a Jewish believer herself, how many Jews, how many Israelis believe in Yeshua? And so she began kind of the work of, of documenting that and kind of researching that. And she found a whopping maybe five. And so the, so the work began and then the, the, the realization with her and then the, just a few, few believers in the land realized, wow, we really have a, a lot of work to do. And, and lights began to come on and they realized we have to make Aliyah and, or, and bring others into the country. You know, you can raise leaders up and you can also bring them for the nations. And so that's what the work that she started. And then one of the people that was brought from the nations was my father-in-law Ari. And so my wife uh, was born in the late 70s and she was representative. This is an amazing statement. What I'm about to say is almost unbelievable that she is representative of She's among the first generation of Israeli believers born and raised in the land in 2,000 years. So that's that's her generation. And then she likes to say she imported me from the United States. I was born in Dallas, uh, raised in Alabama. So I'm a cowboy redneck. Yes, I know. And I think one of the signs that we are, I know this isn't written in the scriptures, so don't, don't think this heretical, but I think one of the signs we are encroaching on the very end of the end times is that the Lord is using a redneck from Selma, Alabama to reach the lost in Israel and Jerusalem. So, yes. And so my five children, and uh, we had to split our trip up in, into two uh, sections. So my wife is back in Israel right now. Because of the quarantine, and so it would be very difficult if we're on quarantine together. So that's that's uh, it with my family. So Shani is not here, so I will share a little bit of what was on her heart. She sends her greetings to you all. And um, so Maos, some people ask me, so Maos, what is uh, Maos? So Maos is M-A-O-Z in English. Maos comes from the scriptures, Ani Adonai Maozi. Some of you, some of you have heard this in the Torah portion in different places. Maozi, and it, it actually comes from this word Uzi, right? They named, the Israelis invented this Uzi weapon, which was uh, a very strong weapon. And uh, lots of words came out of this. So Maoz means who is my strength? The Lord is our strength. So we, 
says, okay, so our vision is to make believers strong in Israel because the Lord is our strength. So because he is making us strong, it is indicative to us to make others strong in the land of Israel. And very simply put, we think the best, and what we've seen over decades, what is the best way to make a strong body of believers and to reach the lost for Yeshua and for the good news of Yeshua, the best way to accomplish this is to see a strong body that loves each other, that's helping each other. And therefore, the different things that Rabbi mentioned, I stand with Israel as our benevolence arm that that helps the, the hurting, helps people plant businesses, help scholarships to people who need educational assistance. So uh, it's a blessing to be the next generation of leaders. This year, actually, in January, my wife and I took the mantle. And Ari and Shira are now retired. Now, they'll never fully retire, if any of you know them. They will retire upwards, and that's it. But they are uh, now in an assisting role, just rooting us on, as I'm the president and CEO now of Maos, and my wife is uh, co-boss. You know, our wives are really the bosses, right, men? So we, we don't have to go into that. But I wanted to share a little clip um, before we get going, just a little teaser, if you have that. It's very short and sweet. Testimony of the goodness of the Lord in the midst of the coronavirus uh, situation, we produced this concert just a few months ago. We had attempted to do it for Shavuot, for First Fruits, and then had another lockdown in the midst of it. You know, we went through uh, more days of lockdown and have currently maybe about to go into more. We pray that not. Uh, but we, we experienced more lockdowns uh, than any other country in the world in terms of the amount of the days. So it's been difficult to get anything done. But for some reason, and I know the reason, we had a little bit of divine help. We were given uh, special uh, access and license to be able to produce this concert without an audience. We just had an audience of one. And, and it's the most important audience member that there could be. And so we produced this album and also it's available to you all. We have it out outside uh, for donation to the ministry. Uh, if you open up the album, there's actually a code you can scan to see this concert for free. And this is an all-star cast um, of worship leaders in the land. And we have gathered, because of COVID, all, all the meetings have basically been shut down. Some of them have started back in various ways. Uh, but for this whole 2020 season and part of 2021, we said we've got to do something to help these worship leaders still to be able to produce worship, to be able to take worship to another level in Hebrew and in Arabic. Because the, our people must be reached in their mother tongue. So the work of Maos uh, has been 
pioneering to, and some of the things I might share might be, I'm just going to share with you all. Is that okay today? Just to share a little bit. I will share some things uh, from my heart and the scriptures uh, about the restoration of Israel, but all the things I'm talking about now are kind of a part of that. And I'll, and I'll mention why in a minute. But as my in-laws came um, 45 years ago and started Ma'oz in 1976, we began to see there was uh, very little in terms of resources and in, in terms of books, literature, worship music, you name it, uh, resources of, of different kinds for the Israeli believer. And you'd say, well, they have the Bible. Yeah, but a lot of them can't read the Bible very well either. I mean, you read English, but do you, can you read Chaucer? Go back and try it. I, I challenge you to see what you come up with. You know, you'll, you'll have to get a translator for that. So, so, and we're talking about a language even more ancient. So modern Hebrew and ancient Hebrew are different. And a lot of them, we can read it, right? As you, you're reading from the scroll, we read it. But it's different, and, it, and it's difficult. And Israelis in a modern culture say, ah, you know, just realize a lot of them come to faith and say, you know, I'll never be able to read the Bible, right? And so it's taken a, one project we just finished was to make a Bible that is accessible to all Hebrew speakers. It's called the Narrated Bible, and it's called Narrated because it, it guides people through with comments, not commentary, uh, like a rabbinical commentary or anything, but just saying, hey, this chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah is talking to Hezekiah. This is the context of it. This is the year we can estimate that this happened. So guide people through what's being said and guide them through chronologically the scripture. So it's called the Narrated Bible. It's the largest project that we ever did. It was over half a million dollars. And there's folks in this congregation that helped us accomplish this. And so we are pioneering even now a culture and a, I would say a believing society and culture in Israel, something that does not exist. Uh, and so it takes a lot of basic things that you wouldn't think of. So that was uh, really the, the, the starting of Ma'os as they begin to realize we need to bring believers into the country. And so they, they began their arm of Aliyah assistance. And then we began to see, okay, there's uh, no worship in the land. Very little. The, the Hebrew songs that were sung were more of, you know, Hava Nagila and, and your kind of Hagigi or your, uh, kind of ceremonial songs for holidays. And so, okay, we need, we need something a little deeper than this for the body, right? And there were very few Hebrew-speaking congregations. And this is the controversial thing. Whenever we began to worship and uh, uh, preach and do different things in Hebrew, even Israelis, there weren't very many, but the Israeli believers began, had begun to think that English was like a holy language. Because the only believer, well, it was the only believers they knew uh, spoke English, right? Or German or some other language from the nations. So to really get, and it's funny now that we look back on it. This is, we're talking about decades ago. And even when I moved to land over 22 years ago, it was still a little bit of this. You know, we're just going to take songs and translate them from whoever, your, your famous worship songs of the day from America or the nations. But the Lord began to say, no, I want to raise up a modern day Levite. 
company. I, you know, we're not from the tribe of Levi, you know, because of the diaspora and different things. Nobody really knows. But it's, I'm spiritually speaking about Davidic worship. Worship from the land. Worship from the heart of the believers in the land. So that's a little teaser of what you saw of what's been coming out. And it's actually one of the things I'll go into is a demonstration or a quintessential snapshot of, of, of a part of the restoration of Israel. The Lord said these kind of things were going to happen. So we, I will, I will say to, I'd like to say it to you this way. We are seeing some historic things right now that you can look in scripture and it mirrors. It's a little, maybe a little different than we thought would come, how, how it would happen. And I'm not speaking of conjecture or prophetic, um, prognostication that is very unclear. And there's a lot of that going on. And there's a lot of that that's been around the, the body, either messianic and evangelical. We don't really know about Gog and Magog and certain things, Ezekiel 38. And some of these things are so obtuse and esoteric. And I think when it happens, we'll begin to, oh, okay, this is what that is, right? For many centuries, did you know that the church thought Israel was cursed and cut off, right? And why did they think that? Because they, with their eyes, they didn't see an Israel, and so on one hand, it's it's appalling, but on the other hand, I, I kind of can't blame them. Would we have done any different? Because for nearly 2,000 years, there's not a nation called Israel that we read about in the, in the scriptures. And yeah, they might have read Ezekiel 36 and 37 and, and different passages in Jeremiah and uh, Jeremiah 30 and others. I'm sure they read these things, but then they begin to think, oh, this is about us, Right? So this isn't a sermon about replacement theology, but just to touch that, to say this is kind of a survey of human history. That the Lord scattered his people from the land in 70 AD and before and after. And even Shaul HaShaleach, Paul the Apostle, writes to the, the book of Jacob, right? Not James. The book of Yaakov. Sounds much cooler, right? The book of Jacob, he writes to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. So it was starting to happen. And then Paul writes in the book of Romans, even to, to the Jewish people and believers and, and different congregations that had already started to be scattered. And Paul even sees that it's going to happen. He sees that it's going to happen. He sees that there's going to be the scattering. And he writes some words to charge both believer and unbeliever. Uh, both Jew and non-Jew, sorry, about what should their ultimate perspective be in the midst of diaspora? What should we see in the scriptures as our charge for the restoration of Israel? And it was primarily Romans 9, Romans 10, 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. You would say, well, Shouldn't he have riled the people up to uh, lobby the Senate in Rome and the different congressional systems that they had available at the time because Roman citizens could do those kind of things? But no, he's pray. He sees it's 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 going to go, and it's. I don't know if he knew how long, how long it would be in this state of diaspora, but it, it went on for nearly two thousand years. 
But he said we need to pray for the salvation of the Jewish people, for the salvation of Israel in the midst of it. And those believers, Jew, Gentile, kind of lost that vision, especially the non-Jewish church, right, for centuries. Then something amazing happened, and there's a lot of details we're skipping, okay? So some of you who know a lot of these scenarios, don't don't come tell me, you missed this, you missed this. I know, we're giving a brief survey, okay? But we see something amazing happen in 1948. And that was happening before. We began to see a nation become a nation in the day, established in the land. Jeremiah 30 Verse three, is it okay if I also preach? I mean, you guys are fun to preach to. We, we often share and teach and messianic circles and we love that, but sometimes you feel the, the esh. You feel the passion and the fire of the Lord on something and I feel that with you today. Jeremiah 30 verse three, for behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah, The Lord says, I will also bring them back to the land that I gave to their forefathers, and they shall possess it. So lest there be any kind of confusion, we're not talking about Cuba or Hawaii. It would have been nice maybe you put us in Hawaii. But he said, I'm going to put you in the land that I promised the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That land, interesting, a prophetic scripture to be fulfilled nearly 2,000 years, over 2,000 years later in Jeremiah's time was very specific as if there was someone behind the scene writing these scriptures that knew that people would misunderstand it. I'm talking about that land. And I've talked to people who said they witnessed the restoration of Israel in 1948, the physical restoration back to the land, Israel becoming officially a nation again. Although they always existed as a nation in the heart and the mind of God. But in the eyes of the world, they're back on the human stage, right? And a lot of the people, I've talked to a few people, some of the old timers that said, you know, we just didn't see it. And when it happened, then we understood it. And a lot of them said they repented for their theologies that they had created. They began to rewrite their books about Israel. Said no longer is Israel the church. Israel is a part of the promises of God that will stand and never end. The scripture says that if the, if the moon and the sun disappear or the, or the sea goes away, right? Then shall my promises of Israel go away. The last, you know, I was just uh, down in the Galveston area at the beginning of this trip. There was sea there, a lot of it. And we go out at night, it's beautiful Texas skies you have here. You can see forever the stars. And you definitely have sun at this time in here in Texas this time of year. Oh my goodness, you got the sun. So that's still there. And so the promises of Israel will also, the God's promises for Israel will also remain. And that is indicative of this. What? That I will bring them back into the land. And the next part, very clear. So we talk about where are we in human history? Ezekiel 36. I'll say this, be careful about prophetic teaching. The Lord obviously wants us to be involved and understand prophetic teaching, but sometimes it's simple and elegant and not so 
mysterious and complicated. Am I, hopefully that's clear what I'm trying to say. It's not so uh, uh, secretive. Be careful of the secretive approach that no one can understand except this one teacher on TV or on the internet or whatever. That he's saying something so mysterious that it's fascinating. Sometimes the Lord's promises and the prophetic equivalency to those promises are so simple that they elude us. Not because they're so complicated we can't understand it. He wants us to understand it. I think C.S. Lewis said it's not the things in, this, in the scripture I don't understand that bother me. The ones I do understand that bother me. And so he wants us to be very clear. Now there was an opening of people's eyes. There was a time in history where these things were to be completed. And that's where we are right now. Since 1948. I will bring the nations and gather them from the lands and bring you into your own land. I will gather you from all the nations. In Ezekiel 36 verse 24 says. I will gather you from all the nations. Again as Jeremiah 30 said. And this, this is the pattern I want you to see. Simple. In Ezekiel 36. Okay, so read the whole chapter. You'll see he goes over and over into the details even. Restoring their fortunes. Making them a blessing. And in this modern day and era, look at Israel and all the problems we have as well. But all the amazing blessings that Israel has brought to the nations of the earth. Pull out your cell phone. Every chip that was invented, uh, in, at least in the origins of this device and the camera. You ever use a camera on your phone? Israel. All the other dev- penicillin, Jewish people. I could name, I could go on and on and on and on of the, the amazing Nobel Prize winners, of the breakthroughs in technologies, the blessings that have come upon our nation. Maybe the cell phone hasn't been the best blessing. Maybe some of the things, you know, look at Minecraft. Minecraft came out of, right everyone over there? I, I see you raising your hand there, Joe. Minecraft, right? These things came out of Israel. These fascinating things came out of this small little land. And the only way to describe and explain such a phenomenon is that this land is blessed by the Almighty. But why are they blessed? Just to, just to be a blessing? It's to show the Lord, he says in the book of Deuteronomy, I can take the smallest among you and make you great for the world to see. And so I can bring Messiah, King Messiah, ruler of the world, through this line of pitiful little people in the eyes of the nations. I can bring my history through this group of people and revolutionize the world through them. But what's the pattern that we're in now? I will bring them back into the land in Ezekiel 36, verse 29. And moreover, I will save you. I will save you. It's the same word, Yeshua. Yeshua is a verb and a noun, depending on how you look at it in, in Hebrew. I will bring you to Yeshua. I will bring you back into your land. And there in the land, you'll get saved. You'll get saved. And so that's where we are in human history right now. We're at some point in the beginning, middle of it. I, I don't know. I do know that. From people that have been eyewitnesses there of the restoration of Israel, maybe beginning handfuls of believers a few decades, a few decades ago. When my father-in-law came, he said he counted on both hands the number of real serious believers in the land. My mother-in-law said there were maybe just a couple. She and Joshulam and a few others. I know there were probably more that just were not in fellowship. But now we're seeing maybe 20,000. 30,000, it depends on how you kind of count 
It's kind of a difficult thing to count. But as we also saw on Aliyah from Russia and Ethiopia in different places, a lot of these people have, uh, because of, of their destitute situation and, and the Lord really loves to reach out to people in destitute problems, a lot of these people have come to faith. And a lot of Sabras now are coming to faith. That was something you never saw before. A native-born Israeli coming to Lord was like a unicorn or something. Okay, we saw Russians, we've seen Ethiopians, we've seen South Americans, seen Americans. But what about this native-born Israeli? And now we've got congregations run by native-born Israelis. We've handed congregation to Ferry Yeshua that we planted uh, from... Uh, uh, my parent, grant my in-laws basement years ago now has been handed over to native born Israeli leadership. So we're seeing a growth and we're seeing things that we see mirrored here in the scriptures that I will bring. And so listen, Israel's fascinating. Study it, be, in, be immersed into the glorious, uh, uh, cool things regarding Israel, but don't Forget the simple patterns that the Lord is trying to show us, especially those of you in the nations. That's why I wanted to share this with you all. If you want to know, well, what is my part in this? Especially as a messianic group of people that understand things in a way that a lot of things have been unlocked for you all. What is your place? You are seeing the restoration of Yeshua back in his land before our very eyes. And so I want to tell you some specific parts of how, how this has to do with the work and the ministry we are seeing in Israel. So it, it dawned on me a little while ago. We've been in a transition process for a few years to take over Ma'o's ministries. This year, as I said, was the final year of transition. It's been very fun trying to do transition in a, in a worldwide pandemic. Let me just tell you, that's been interesting. And some of the things that we're seeing, uh, it, it is blowing our minds what the Lord is doing in the land. He is showing us the restoration of Israel physically, right? We've got a physical restoration of Israel. That's been clear. And now we're seeing the spiritual restoration of Israel, which is talked about as much in scripture as the physical now recently, you want to show the picture, what we, we were, our friends in Gaza, uh, sent us some nice, um, little presents a couple of months ago. Some of you read about that with that we were bombarded by, um, by Hamas in Gaza by, uh, with more rockets than we've ever had in the shortest period of time. This hit, I'll give you a little bit of background for this just quickly. A few days before these rocket attacks started, and we had heard the rumblings. We have people that work in our ministry that are also in the military, and they began to kind of warn us. They said, look, there's some things coming, so just be aware. And then uh, the leaders of Hamas actually told us on the day, uh, they, they announced um, at 6 p.m. we're going to attack. Well, I mean, they say things all the time. And they said, we're going to attack Jerusalem. Well, you usually... We didn't think they'd be stupid enough to attack Jerusalem, but in, in fact they were. Because you don't really, everyone just knows you don't shoot missiles at Jerusalem. I mean, you might even hit the mosque that they love. You might hit some of their own people, but they don't care. The majority of missiles in this last round 
hit in the Gaza Strip, hit their own people as collateral damage. We had somebody write us, uh, a prophetic person, an intercessor that we hear from from time to time. She said, look, I'm, I'm praying that missiles will avoid your house and that the Lord will put a covering on you all from, from missiles. And I thought, well, that's nice for her to pray that. We, no, we haven't had any missiles here in Jerusalem, a random attack once or twice, uh, in, in the whole history. It's not really something that happens. And lo and behold, two days later, this crater, you can see, and those are, those are trees, by the way, that look like little, Sticks. Those were trees that were blown apart. This hit just a, maybe a hundred yards or less from our home in this wooded area. And we began to see more and more. So we're in the house and we hear boom, boom. And we run to, we have 90 seconds to get into our safe place. And then one boom, hit a really loud explosion. And we realized, wow, that was pretty close. So people ask, were we fearful? It was a little nerve-wracking. Let me just say it that way. And so the prayers, I don't know how many people were would have been killed or injured, but there were so many people praying around the nations of the earth that I know that the Lord protected many of us. A pastor friend of mine in uh, in Ashdod had one come right through their apartment. And, and they were in their bomb shelter, but they were, they were fine. Now I destroyed their apartment. They're ha- having to get a new one, but they're fine. And, and it was kind of miraculous, actually. And they were even on the news because it was so miraculous. There were a few people that that happened to, and they unfortunately did not survive in this last round. So where are we at in this part of it? We've, we're seeing more people come to faith. We've established that. That is a part of the restoration of Israel. But as I begin to think about our ministry, Ma'os, and the fact that my in-laws were privileged, it's not been the easiest thing, by the way, to pioneer in Israel, but they've been blessed to see this, these restorations of Jew, Jewish people, believers and non-believers, come back into the land and the, the nation of Israel reestablished in, in, in the natural but as they begin to see the different elements of spiritual restoration, we're realizing, and, and, and all the different, I know you're involved in different ministries. God has raised up so many amazing men and women, faith in the land, generals, and we salute them from the previous generation. And now we're the, the next generation moving forward, even starting to train the younger generation even now. But we're realizing we're not just witnessing the restoration of Israel, we're being used as instruments to bring about the restoration of Israel. And can you, can you play the, the clip we have, please? Forty-five years ago, two people sat down in the living room just north of Tel Aviv with a dream and a vision. They knew the Bible had promised Israel would be restored to her land. And they were watching it happen before their eyes. But the promises of God don't happen in a vacuum. When Joshua first brought Israel into the land, and when they returned centuries later in the days of Nehemiah, there was work that needed to be done. Ma'o's Israel was born for just that purpose. In that living room, north of Tel Aviv, Ari and Shira Sorkaram recognized that if Israel was returning to her land, the next promise was right around the corner. 
the promise to restore Israel to her God and make Israel and her cities a praise among the nations. But again, God's promises don't happen in a vacuum. So the question was, who would be there to build the infrastructure for the growing body of believers to aid thousands of Jewish families as they upended their lives and moved to Israel? to plant congregations and nourish a community for believers to strengthen each other, to train and raise up Hebrew songwriters, musicians, and worship leaders, to provide printed resources for teaching and discipleship, and to inform the world about it as it all happens. These questions became the basis of the mission Ma'oz Israel set for itself as it set out to pioneer what is today a young but thriving body of Israeli believers. Now, 45 years later, my husband Kobe and I have picked up the mantle of the vision. Today we have a staff of more than a dozen Israelis. We work with 90 congregations across the country, both Jewish and Arab, and have Ma'oz branches all over the world. Together, the Ma'oz Israel team is dedicated to building a strong body of believers in Israel and giving Christians both an insider view into the lives of Israelis and the opportunity to impact those lives in a way that will matter a generation from now. appreciate that. We want to, I want to share one more thing about how this applies to you and those outside of Israel. We look at the passage of Ezekiel 36, which is what we call the oracle, is an oracle, is a, a prophetic word declared about things that will come in the future. Ezekiel 37 is the vision, it's kind of like a zip file, forgive my simple analogy, but it's, you, you unzip the file and you see all these things in it. The oracle then is unzipped in Ezekiel 37, and we see the vision of that which was proclaimed in a very simple kind of story-like vision. So it's the dry bones vision. And you, how many of you know about the dry bones vision? So Ezekiel is very interesting. He prophesies that the, the bones will come together, right? First he sees this mighty army and the Lord interprets the vision. We know that this, it says this is the nation of Israel. Okay. Lest we, a lot of people use that for their family or their congregation or, you know, coming back to life and praise God use those, uh, in prayer, but that is specifically about the nation of Israel and what the Lord will do at some point in history. He says, I will gather them back together so the nation, so the bones come back together. Ezekiel prophesies and he says, prophesy that the sinew and the bone will come back together and, and, and they, and they do. And there's a mighty army standing, right? It's as if they're alive, but they're dead. Talk about the ultimate walking dead, right? You've got this army that looks alive called Israel, but it says they have no ruach. You all know this word, ruach, right? I heard you say it a few times. I like you adding that to your liturgy. The ruach hakodesh, the Holy Spirit, the, the breath, the light. In Hebrew, it's interesting. It's the same word, wind, breath, 
life. It's the same thing. It's all the same word. But without it, something is dead. With it, something is alive. It's that simple. And it, we, we see, okay, a lot of scholars will say, this is represented, yes, Ezekiel 37 is about Aliyah. It's about the regathering of the Jewish people from the four corners of the earth. But it's more than that. Because if a nation comes back together and we just support them to build basketball centers and community centers and, and do nice, cute things together with Arab peoples for, you know, let's all coexist, kumbaya, we're all, they're going to die and go to hell. So it has to be, the Lord would have not brought about restoration just to see a nation perish spiritually. So this is the last thing I want to say. And then we'll pray and release you all. Ezekiel, the, the Jewish prophet, is not given the authority to speak that breath will come back into them. The Lord says to him, prophesy to the four corners, to the four winds, is what it says in Hebrew, which is always representative of the earth, the four corners of the earth. It's, you know, it's just, it's clear that's what it means. And he says, prophesy to the four winds that breath will come back into these people. And so I'm here to tell you that what is the authority and the responsibility given to Messianic Jews and, and also Gentiles and the nations? What is their responsibility and authority and their, and their proclamation? What is their role in this covenant of bringing Israel back together? It is that you have the authority as born-again believers with the Ruach. Those of you with the Ruach, it is your job among raising your family to be disciples, reaching the lost all around you, supporting your congregation, covering your rabbi in prayer, all those things. But you have the authority to speak breath and life back into the nation of Israel. And I could give you example after example after example of being in uh, villages in the middle of nowhere, uh, um, Arab villages, and, and narrowly escaping death. Uh, back when I was a little bit younger, my wife doesn't let me do a lot of that anymore. But we'd narrowly escape death when we realized later, wow, pe- people would send us the emails. We'd get the phone calls from people abroad saying, we just felt suddenly to pray for you. I said, wow, we just, you don't even know what we just went through. And we would see a breakthrough on the streets of Jerusalem. I remember one time speaking to a young Orthodox man, and it's a long story, but he suddenly he just started crying and saying, I want, I want this Yeshua you're talking about. I want him. I want this. And it, I said, wow, we hardly ever see things like this. Just like a spiritual breakthrough in this man's life. And then we'd come home. We'd get the phone calls. We'd get the messages. Hey, we just felt suddenly to pray that the Lord would use you all to, to win more Israelis, that you would make some disciples, uh, in this season and say, <laughs> so just when we thought we were the great men and women of God, right? I'm thinking, I come home, Lord, you know, what, look what you just did through me. And the Lord's like, read your emails. People have been praying for this. I just used you to, you're just the redneck from Selma, Alabama. That's this, the vessel. Now I'm an Israeli citizen, learned the language. So there's a, a lot of suffering that had to go to be able to get to this point. But it's the nations of the earth that are right now breathing life back into the nation of Israel. And I don't know 
ladies and gentlemen, beloved. I don't know if we've got 10 years or 100 years or 1,000 years. I don't know. I used to preach and teach very conservatively, conservatively about the end times, about the, the um, acharit, about the, the end. I don't know where we're at in this, but I, I will say that we've all just recently been through something where whatever your views on this whole thing has been, this pandemic, we've all been going through it as, as a world. The whole humankind has experienced something similar overnight. And within days, almost like a movie, Israel shut down. Then the nations are shut down. And then we begin to see a complete shifting and change of regimes and kingdoms and a a realignment to which we were just in the beginning of seeing, by the way. I don't have time to go into all that, but we just see, I, I had, I said, Lord, okay, I can see all of these scenarios can happen in a matter of days. Things that we see, oh, that, that, there's no way we're in the end because there's Gagog, Magog, Magog and Magog and this and this and that. All these things could align up in a matter of days and weeks. And we could just find ourselves unaware of the end that comes upon us. So gentlemen, ladies, let's be ready. Let us not be like those virgins caught unaware. Let's keep our nail tamid, our forever lamp burning. And be ready for Yeshua to return because he's coming back. Thank you. He's coming back to Jerusalem, by the way. I'm sure he'll visit Texas because it's awesome. But after he comes back to Jerusalem. So thank you, Lord, for the Etz Chaim that you have created, Lord. That its roots go down deep. Into the middle of the earth that you've created and bring sustenance and life through the Ruach HaKodesh. Lord, thank you that you've raised up this congregation to be a light among the Gentiles here in this area, Lord, of Texas, this area of the world. And also to the nations of the earth, that this congregation will be a light to the nations also, just as you've called Israel to be. Lord, I thank you for the leadership here. Lord, I thank you for everyone here and those who are in attendance online. Lord, just bless them. That no one will be lost, Lord, that your, the, the blessings would come straight from your heart to these people. And Lord, you would raise up the disciple makers in this congregation, Lord. That we would see the future generations, Lord. That we would see these generations rise up even in our midst here, Lord. Lovers of Israel. Lord, those who stand with your people in Israel. And those who know about the salvation of your people. Lord, thank you for this group of people. Thank you for this congregation, Lord, that is close to your heart. Lord, you said that I will bless those who bless you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would extend a shifa yad shechab. You would extend your hand of blessing upon this congregation. Amen, amen. Yeshua's name, b'shem Yeshua Mashiach. Amen.